there in comic book land. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as you know, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? It's Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi. Yogi is here two weeks in a row, brother. Two weeks in a row. It's good to have you. It's been a long time since this happened been a long time it has been it's definitely been a long time but you are here for a great great episode and i had to get you here in studio for this great episode because on this episode we will be discussing detective comics 1000 1000 issues of detective comics over 80 years of the bat the cape crusader the dark knight detective did you think that you would live to see this day i mean you're relatively young but still (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, you got to figure like this is one thousand issues. I think only Action Comics before this has done it. It's uh, it's it's wild when you think about it. Like one thousand issues of a comic book. That's how many months? How many years? Well, actually, uh, could probably look that up right now. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at this at this point, it's it's eighty, right? It's eighty years. Um... Eighty years exactly. Eighty years worth of Detective Comics. I wonder if. Uh, there's anyone out there on that pla- on the planet who's uh, actually been around for it all and like yeah right to collect it. <laughs> there has to be. I mean, with with the first issue of Detective Comics, um, or the the issue that Batman actually debuts in coming out in '39. I think the um first issue comes out in '37. So the that person would be eighty. I think it's like a ninety-year-old sitting around with his back cape. Yeah, on. you figure it'd be you'd be like ninety years old, still right, around. Right. You know, they got those one hundred years old, world's oldest people. I want to know what that man thinks. Like, what? What is he going around saying? That's not my Batman. My Batman wears purple gloves, and he cracks people's necks. <laughs> I really miss the purple gloves. Oh, I lo- bro, I love those purple gloves. That nothing shows me that it's that Batman than the, those purple gloves and the nice little ruffles that happen on the top of it, like where the wrists are at. Yeah, the oddly shaped uh, ears too. They like wider apart. Yeah, and they they don't come out the top more so than the sides. Like horns a little bit. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. But um, I think the closest thing Marvel has to this is Spider Man. Uh, y- no, I think they've got Captain America. Cap? What's Cap yeah. up to nowadays? Oh, oh well. Oh, 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 you! Uh, <laughs> I was thinking like eighty years, and I got mixed up. Uh, you were talking about issue numbers. Yeah, uh, I guess. Probably Spider-Man, but they just kind of started it over. Are they still doing the dual numbering thing on the covers? Man, listen, (laughs) that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, uh, you know, uh, needle in a haystack. But I remember they, they, they had just celebrated 800 issues not too long ago. Okay. So yeah, it would definitely be Spider-Man. Probably Fantastic Four right behind it. Uh-huh. If they can, if they stop stopping, oh, right? <laughs> they're doing the dual numbering thing. It should be Cap. You forget it'd be Cap, right? He's the he's one of their oldest characters. But I think he got put on ice. Literally, got put on ice for a That's number right. of decades, right. which yeah, then right. stops the Captain America <laughs> comics for some decades. That's what I'm saying. You don't get to this um, astronomical number without staying, like staying power, like actually printing these issues out. Um, absolutely there's so much demand for batman and i know sometimes people complain you know why uh why does batman have to be in this movie it's about to be like justice league dark for example oh yeah right. <laughs> you know it's like we wanted to see justice league dark why'd you guys have to shove batman in there but he's like the hook he's the yes. money maker like that's uh that goes to say something 80 years of uh of that type of staying power like you were just saying and you don't get that far without 
changes, without evolution, without de-evolution sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You when know, the um, what was around? Yikes! Batman, the mythos, the outfits, the gadgets, the the um, rogues gallery, the uh, Bat family, all those things, um, twisting and turning and changing as the character uh, evolves. So I wanted to actually talk about some of the uh, most iconic. Uh, issues of Detective Comics. Like I said, eight, um, 1,000 issues, so we definitely can't name them all. But I think an honorable mention obviously goes to the first Detective Comics, <laughs> right? <laughs> With the racist cover. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, you know what's funny? I knew that, um, you know, Action Comics number one has Superman in it. And I knew that Detective Comics number 27 had Batman in it. But for some reason, when doing the research for this a particular episode, it completely uh, left my mind that it was the 27th issue. So I go and look up Detective Comics issue one, and I see this caricature of a, of a Chinese and Asian an Asian man. Yes. Um, but this legitimate like caricature, like how they used to draw the Mandarin kind of. <laughs> um, and it's just I was like, what? am I reading the right? Is this the right comic? Like, is this? A... Uh, and yeah, with that issue, even though it has a, a racist cover. Um, <laughs> they were actually uh they were actually supposed to release a uh collection called Before Batman which would have collected issues 1 through 26 of Detective Comics and it actually got canceled. So oh, wow. I I wonder if that cover had anything to do with that. Have you looked at some of those earlier uh, ones without Batman in it? It's kind of a mixed bag like it's a variety show almost. Um, you know what? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I just I just just like you said it kind of slips your mind that they even exist. Yes, right, because to you, Detective Comics starts at 27. Yeah, you know? (laughs) Right, no, definitely. I got that same feeling, too. And when I was looking through one, because, again, I did not know what was going on. Like, I forgot that it was 27. I'm looking through, and I'm like, who are these normal people, and when am I going to get to Batman? And then, eventually, when the issue ended, I was like, oh, that's not not how that goes at all. Um, It ends up being, like we said, uh, issue 27. But that issue one of Detective Comics introduces Slam Bradley. Uh, who ends up being a character in one of the stories that we're going to review today? So yes, I, that's right. I, you know what? I <laughs> I had heard the name before, and I'm like, where have I heard this? I've seen it in like wiki searches late at night when you get sucked into a wiki hole. <laughs> right, definitely. <laughs> but I saw the name. I saw the name uh, first in the story, and then I was like. I don't know who that is. I'm pretty sure that's just like a Matches Malone kind of kind of tie there. Um, and then when I read the first issue, I was like, oh, so this makes a lot more sense. Um, Detective Comics uh, issue one was just literally Detective Comics. It was just literally detective stories, mysteries and stuff like that. The same way you had horror comics, the same way you had literally action comics. Um, and so the... Um, Batman's debut in issue number 27 in the story uh, The Batman and the Case of the Chemical Syndicate, which comes out in May of 1939, is literally just a story in the in the comic, which also has other stories of detectives. This is just one story, one additional story of a detective. Um, but we had already covered in the Bill Finger episode that we did, uh, available wherever podcasts are found, we had already covered the idea that this character, this the Batman, was always meant to be a successor to Superman, like always meant to be yeah, basically in that, these, in that importance. Yeah. yeah, they were really successful with Superman, and they were like, "Hey, let's get another one." Do that could again. You, <laughs> could you imagine being a fan of like the detective stories? That and 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 issue twenty seven, they put in this stupid 
guy dressed like a bat, and you're like, this is gonna, this is totally gonna, this is totally gonna sell, right? Bro, Our it had sp- to be like Poochie <laughs> in The Simpsons. Like, we're like, wait, who the hell is this guy? Let's get back to the Sherlock Holmes of it all. Like, what, what is this going on here? And uh, no, but uh, it, you know, it takes the world by storm. It, it, it uh, pushes Detective Comics forward. Um, one of the most important issues of comic of any comic ever, and if you have that first issue in the first print, my God, you could probably, probably buy your own already, house. You're probably already rich. Yes. At this point, you. I, I wonder how many. <laughs> like we were joking about earlier, I wonder how many first, like how many people that actually purchased that at the newsstand still own it today. It's got to be like nobody. Or who? How many people uh, who saw <laughs> it at the newsstands threw it out? No, like, my God. You know what I'm saying? Like. Ugh. What's this? Could you imagine still having been alive in like 1990 and seeing this explode and being one of the people that was originally into detective comics and scoffed at it? Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Or one of the people that uh, got detective comics uh, number 27 or even number one and, and saved it. And then once uh, Seduction of the Innocent comes out, goes to a comic burning, you know, oh, <laughs> and, uh, and throwing away exactly. millions of dollars. You, you, you deserve that if you did that. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Were you a- ever able to read? Um, that Detective Comics number twenty-seven. Yes, yes, I have, and the the constant retellings, right? What did you What did you think of the the raw, the original, um, not retelling of the Batman and the case of the Crime Syndicate? And you know, I have to ask you this question: How do you feel about the hyphen? The Batman. The well, Batman. <laughs> that uh, that's come up in certain like stories down the line, and like some of these like anthology celebrations that they do. Uh-huh. But um, uh, <laughs> I think I don't know. I feel like it works better the way it is now. Okay. But but for the time, you know, like it's like it was. They, he was named by the people that have seen him, so it's like it's the Batman. So right. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised to see Gordon there so so early, you know. Oh, it's just like in uh, in like uh, the first issue of action and action comics where it's like you, Superman is the one that everybody knows debut, but Zatara was also a character, <laughs> right? Uh, just sliding yeah, in there. Yeah. <laughs> but you, that this idea that like already established Bruce Wayne as this young socialite that like um, there's a scene in which is like Commissioner Gordon gets a phone call, and I love all, I love all the. The thought, the speech, and the uh, narrator bubbles because it's so of the times where everything has yeah. to be explained. Like, hello, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon here. What? A murder, you say? How do I, you know? On what? Third Street? I'm, I'm on my way. It's like, wow, we just heard the whole conversation through just your side. But he gets a conversation. He gets a call like that to go investigate this, like, uh, this murder. And Bruce is like, yeah, I'll just go with you. And I'm like, what? Like, what? like, you just did that back in the day? Like, if you're not busy, I'll, I'll accompany you to the murder scene, and then you could just drop me off afterwards, you know? That's what I'm saying. It must have been really strange reading that when you're used to, like, Dick Tracy-type stories, and then this guy just randomly comes out with a, with a bat suit, and he's uh, being a detective, too. Because I don't think they gave him an origin for a few more issues, right? No, and he's one step ahead of the police the entire way. Like, the police are always one step behind just getting to the house, you know, um, when things happen. And uh, I do like, though, how the issue ends, which is like, um, you know, uh, uh, Batman, if, if anyone knew that the, that the socialite bat, young Bruce Wayne was Batman, the Batman, you know, who knows what the next uh, adventures are going to be. And it was it, it showed that the story was in the mystery. The story was in the 
shrouded in darkness, this man that, you know, he could have taken all the credit, right? He could have been walking around Gotham like, you will fear me and I am the Batman. And I am, <laughs> you know, but um, early on, first issue, we know he has a relationship with Gordon. We know that he's, uh, f- f- to the most, to the um, uninitiated, he is a uh, young socialite who without a care in the world because he's a millionaire. And um, to those who do know, he stands up for truth and justice he in the in at night he chooses to wear this outfit uh dressed like a bat do they go do they go into because obviously a lot of batman's mythos is tied up in detective comics but ultimately he ends up getting his own self-titled comic yes. and that's where a lot of the other developments end up happening um do they ever get back to the suit why the suit why the suit yeah uh i mean i'm sure it's been told different times by other writers but i wonder uh i'm not sure if the if the bob kane and bill finger actually told a story like that i did see a story that had to do more with his father like apparently his father wore a bat costume or something like that it's, you know how uh, they like, always try to tie it back to thomas uh, uh it, it was like a dr hurt thing right 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 and it was but like well i'll just use this my dad's old bat costume to save <laughs> the world <laughs> um i don't i don't i, I I don't think that's kind of now for sure. Right. But, um, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, Grant Morrison actually used that as a plot point where uh, people had thought that Thomas Wayne was back alive. And I could just imagine the original reception of that. Like, oh, God, they brought Thomas Wayne back to life. And, and he had the, he had like the little pointed, you know, <laughs> and, and it was like, uh, yeah, he had like a sim- yep, exactly. That it turned out to be uh, Dr. Hurton and Black Love stuff. We actually talked about this in a previous podcast. I wish I could pinpoint the episode, you know, like, uh, like those little anecdotes in the comic books. Yeah, that scene in episode thirty nine. And there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that. And I, I see it more with DC, maybe because they have a bit of a longer history. But this idea that they'll put something down, and if you get it, you get it. You know, like if you get the reference or whatever. But it's not one of those things like you won't get the story if you don't get the reference. I like that they allow those who want a deep dive to get those uh, delicious Easter eggs. That's um, one of the things I love about Morrison's running. Yeah, and, <laughs> but but also. Um, it it doesn't make or break your understanding of the story. I don't so, I don't know about that. Actually, you, you think you when think it, you think to more, no when it oh, comes Morrison, to Morrison, yes, yeah, 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 no, <laughs> He's definitely. Got this abstract storytelling style that might melt your mind if you're not if you're not uh, prepared. And you know, you got they have to be asking for like the people to use like the rogues gallery and stuff like that to make sure that they're not in other books and stuff like that. And I can see him be like, um, uh, anyone using William Hurt? And they're like, what? <laughs> what? Um, um, no, no. no? You can all right, I got it. So we'll be nothing without um, that uh, Detective Comics number 27. But I think just as important as Detective Comics number 27 is Detective Comics number 33, the story titled Legend, The Batman and How He Came to Be, which is probably a better grammatical way to put that, put that, uh, that uh, title. But this is where we get the origin story of Batman, the uh, two-page story. And the funny thing is, no one knows who wrote it. Really? No, right. So they think it's Gar- um, Gardner Fox wrote the main story, but he's not credited on the two-page um, origin. 
Uh, Billfinger, you know, as you know, co-created it and stuff like yep. that. But there's no, so there's no title thing for it. And I think that's one of the most important parts of Batman. So it's kind of odd that there's no. I almost, I almost want to assume that it was Billfinger because all the other most important things of Batman came from Billfinger. I mean, you either credit it to Billfinger or you give it to Bob Kane. I rather well, just give it to Bill or, Bob, or Bob Kane takes it. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and he, no, he. Uh, remember, he drew, he drew something. It was like I've been drawing Batman since I was five. Like since the eighteen, whatever. Yeah, the hell. complete bullshit. <laughs> like, wow, wow, uh, guy, really, really. You, you just you just way. found this pristine, <laughs> uh, kept well, eighty year old drawing that you made. All right, uh, but yeah, that so much of Batman comes from this mythos, comes from this origin, the murder, the vow, the bat crashing through the window, everything that we think of the of uh, uh, as the core of his character doesn't show up until um, Detective Comics number thirty three. And that I think that probably is the issue that's the most retold. That, oh, uh, sure, for sure. How many different times have you seen uh, baby uh, kid Bruce Wayne on his knees in front of his dead parents? Yep, and I think just as iconic, I mean, it's getting up there for me, especially if you read uh, the comics, is the, um, yes, father, I shall become a bat. Absolutely. Um, because that, especially in the issue 1000, they even go, they, they go back to that because as big of a moment as the uh, murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne is the realization that he is going to be Batman. And that happens um, later on in his life. So it, it's almost these two turning points and you need both sides uh, to get into it. it um, we had spoken off the air about the story that they were doing um, right before 1000. Uh, I think that they oh, were kind of cutesily calling yeah. it the road to 1000. Yeah. For um, no reason. I actually assumed that, the because you know we always we already knew that Arkham Knight would debut in issue one thousand, right. so I kind of assumed he would have something to do with that so called road to issue one thousand, right? Yes. Like they would have led a breadcrumb trail to issue yeah. one thousand, but um, instead, um, I thought it was kind of cool that they went back to that moment as well. You know, went back to this idea that um, things definitively changed twice for Bruce. Once yes. when he lost his parents, and second when he decides that he's um, going to become a vigilante, he's going to fight for justice, and uh, that happens relatively early in his career. The same year that he debuts, later on in that um, false last winter, we get the origin story. But you can't talk about that without talking about Detective Comics number thirty-eight. Now this is a mouthful: Batman and the sensational find of the nineteen forties. <laughs> Robin the Boy Wonder cover date April of 1940 Robin bro so you get so 11 issues in to the mythos Robin's introduced I guess it turned out that a lot of kids were reading the story and they wanted to give them like their own viewpoint right yeah and it also allowed Batman to be able to speak without sounding like a crazy person because with Robin being around, he could be like, well, as you can see, Robin, we could just use our grappling hooks to get across. But without Robin there, he's just talking to himself. So uh, Robin allowed him to exposit some uh, details for the reader, which is which is great. But I think it's very important to note that um, 11 issues into the mythos, Robin is so tied in. Like, that's very close. Um, I know, it's so close that a few years later, people started calling them homosexual. Yes, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, what are your overall thoughts on Robin and, and his uh, what he adds to Batman's mythos? I think I think he's an absolutely necessary piece of the puzzle that is Batman today, 
for like because because his uh, his his compassion under all that like roughness has become part of his character. You know, yeah, like the 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 willingness to take in a child that he feels is going to go through the same darkness that he did. So he wants to help them see a different path. Like he wishes he could have. I think that's really part of his character today. And uh, I, I feel like it's a really important piece. I, I tell you, man, Bat Dad is hella entertaining. He's my, my fa- he's like my, okay. So just like Superman and Super Dad is my favorite incarnation of Superman ever. But and I think obviously because like I have children and I can relate. Right. But, but um, other people without kids love him too. So it's like, he's like universally lovable. It just has this new layer to him. Because yeah. uh, you, you've had years of him being a pseudo father to kids, but he finally gets a son. You know, one that looks like him. One that's like, uh, one that, it, you know, when you take in a kid, they have a certain respect for you because it's like, man, you took me in. But this kid is like, I don't even have to be here. Like, Yeah, you like, I'm supposed to be grateful <laughs> for this? Like, what do you guys thought this was? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, so it adds a great new layer to the character. I love Bad Dad. And um, uh, Dick Grayson, you're Robin? Dick Grayson is uh okay so Dick Grayson is like everyone's Robin right that's yeah, like the, yeah. that's like that's like the gateway Robin yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. um, for me I got to watch Damien grow up like I got to see his whole character arc it's been like how many years he's been around and he's become a part of Batman and pop culture and everything you know yeah, so and we're talking like, about Grant Morrison you know yeah absolutely and, and it's like I got to watch that happen I feel like. It feel that he he I have the biggest space in my heart for Damien as Robin. Yeah, I actually um because I started relatively recently getting into the issue by issue stuff. You know, less than a decade ago. Um, I I feel the same way. Like I got to see there's just nothing like um growing with a comic. There's yes, nothing, exactly. There's, um, I, you can go back and read it, but you'll never forget where you were when you were in the middle of a story and you turned that yes. page. Um, and I think that with Damien, I was allowed to do that. And in the same way, I expect people who were uh, reading Batman in different eras to feel that same affinity towards the Robin that they had. Exactly. You know, because that was their day in and day out Robin. And then, like I said, adding the fact that it's um, the father figure, uh, like it has always, that Batman has always been a father figure to the Robins and now literally a father. Um, it is really heartwarming when you see Bruce drop the facade to to love right to be Absolutely. to be loving and to love because he's so he, like you said he's so rough you know like, yeah it's it's weird to see him have affection for something that isn't Alfred exactly <laughs> uh, let's talk about detective comic number 66 meet two-face the uh issue that debuts the big the great Batman villain two-face and the story is by Bob, Bill Finger Bob Kane Jerry Robinson and George Ro- Rosios? That's a lot of people. Um, but that's where you get like this idea of a man turned, right? Like before, it was like oh, people with trick umbrellas and ma- uh, mad scientists um, trying to create monster men. And in this issue, you get a man of the law, you know, a district yeah. attorney who um, le- legit is a victim, you know, trying to stop what is it, Marconi or Maroni? Uh, but, uh, it doesn't, I'm trying to remember because, you know, in different origins they've given him, it's been the Falcons. Yes, yes, it's true. That's true. It, it, and, and I, I honestly don't know who But it is the mob, though. But it's always the mob, yeah. mafia, whatever it's you want to call them. Yeah. In some cases, well, yeah, he always gets uh, acid thrown in his face. Um, obviously, famously in the movie, he got caught fire. And in another movie, he uses a vanilla folder to block the <laughs> acid. <laughs> 
to block the acid in his face, something I never forgot about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you get a uh, that um, at the time though, that district attorney was named uh, Harvey Kent, not oh. Harvey Dent. I did not know that. Uh, I think I think that would have been a cool tie-in if you would have found out he was related to Martha and uh, John. Oh wow! <laughs> hey, for any future writers out there listening, <laughs> you know, it, it's like uh. Wait, whatever happened to you, that nephew of yours? Well, he went to that big city, and I heard he's a district yeah. attorney. I find it hard to believe they haven't done that yet, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, now I think that Two Face is obviously a a great and iconic uh Batman villain, but I think that one of the best things about Two Face is reading some of the earlier stories where it's like Two Face is robbing two banks with two guns and two <laughs> it's cars. Always a, it's always a pun. <laughs> yeah, and it's always like. But who could have done it? It's like it's the, you only got one guy, bro. There's one guy that walks around here and does that two, that two stuff, uh, and so you, you you can narrow it down pretty simply. Um, we can't talk about villains and villain origins or debuts without talking about Detective Comics 168, uh, which came out in February of 1951 in this classic issue by Bill Finger that uh, George Rosos and Lou Swartz. We get the Red Hood. The Red yes. Hood, and we get the Joker origin for the first time. This is what they end up taking and moving forward with in the Killing Joke, but it doesn't get that piece till till here. Um, did you like that whole um ad addition of the Red Hood? Uh, the the idea that, that this man is in an and <laughs> I actually really like the concept of um Batman of the uh, Joker being a creation of one of Batman's. I guess. Mistakes? Would you say it was a mistake to chase this guy across a tub full of uh, acid? I'm pretty. I'm one? pretty sure writers have <laughs> writers have addressed it, but I I actually would want to know. You know, getting into Bruce's mind, does he think about that moment? Does he? Does he? Um, oh, does does he have regrets in that moment? Did he think of this guy as anything other than just a you know low life criminal? And so when you when you have that kind of mind state where he's hanging people by the back plane, right? You get like he he had a pretty no nonsense um attitude at that time and this idea that uh something like this would come back to haunt him. I don't think it's something that we've seen before. I mean I I like that that uh Christopher Nolan made it a you became the bat, so that spawned something bigger and you know, like I, I like that Maybe without Batman, there wouldn't even have been a Joker. So Gotham wouldn't even have uh, been dealing with so much of Joker's bullshit. You know, <laughs> Yogi. If that's the case, then we don't get the show Gotham. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth because Gotham postulates that all these guys have been in Gotham. All these villains. I, I, you know that I guess I know it's such a nitpick, but it's like Gotham is like oh, it's not my thing. It's like it gives me. Superhero blue balls, you know, like yeah. I mean, you're gonna get Batman at the end of the series, but like I've got every single one of his villains now, even people that were created because he was Batman, but he's not Batman yep. yet. This feels really weird. Yes, none of it <laughs> makes any sense. I thought Bruce Wayne is the one who accidentally, uh, who takes the funding from Mister Freeze, and that's the whole reason why that happens. Sheesh. But you know, neither here nor there. But the that. The Red Hood becomes so iconic, you know, that story, uh, it gets adapted for the killing joke, and then literally the Red Hood, you know, we get Jason Todd taking the moniker um, that was so iconic because it was this literal faceless villain, um, and it could be anybody. 
And so when it returns to get Batman, um, it really means something to not only Batman, but those who have read and remember, oh, yeah, that that's, you know. That must have been a really cool thing. I wonder how many people actually figured it out because of that. If if it was anything like um Arkham Knight, they were lying and denying it the whole way through. <laughs> They're like, don't worry, it's not Jason. Don't worry, it's not Jason. You don't got nothing to worry about. It ain't Jason. Um, let's talk a little bit about Detective Comics two two five because these are detective comics, by the way, and Batman is one hell of a detective. But what would Detective Comics be without the idea of introducing other detectives? And we get one of the best detectives, one of the best PIs in DC, a man known as John 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 Johns Jones John Johns. <laughs> I'm trying to do the same thing. John Johns. <laughs> um, I love the Martian Manhunter. Absolutely, I um, love him as a, I love him as I, I gotta admit, like I don't know, I haven't really read too many solo Martian Manhunter stories, but I love him as a supporting character in anything that I'm reading. Yes, <laughs> like a lot of people know how to write him good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And he was really good in in, in all the animated adaptations. You know, oh, especially absolutely. like um, Final Frontier. Uh, is it Final Frontier? That might be my that might be part of my attachment to him is that um I grew up with that Justice League, uh-huh. so like. You know, that's like my part. That's like my founding Justice League. Right. That the cast from uh, the from the two thousands cartoon. And so, not many, not many super teams have a resident alien. I mean, you got you have Supes, but he came over here as a baby. This guy <laughs> uh, speaks all kinds of languages. You know, um, intangible mind reading, all that score, stuff. Now he's, he's kind of cheating as a detective, but he's pretty he's pretty good at it. So score one for inclusion. Yeah, you understand. <laughs> um, so. Let's carry it over to Detective Comics 359, which comes out in January of 1967. The million-dollar debut of Batgirl. Um, Batgirl, and this is uh, not the, the Bet Kane Batgirl, but more the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, the, the, the daughter of Commissioner girl. Gordon. <laughs> The the uh, daughter of Commissioner Gordon, and um, not only does the debut of Batgirl harken uh, like more inclusion, even more inclusion, right? Because now you have yeah, a well, female kind of Well, like, like we were talking about earlier, where Batman and Robin were so close, people started thinking they were gay. That was actually part of the inspiration for the introduction of a love interest or a female in this show. Yes. <laughs> yep. With uh, with the other one being um, the hopes that he, she gets on the TV show. Because the TV <laughs> show had just come out the year prior, uh, Batman 66, uh, with um, Adam West. And so it, it's funny because... I heard a similar story with She-Hulk. I heard that they created She-Hulk in the comics first, so they couldn't randomly create her for the TV show. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, people are on their money when it comes to this and the trademarks and stuff because they were like, we need a girl, get us a girl, get us a uh, a, a Batgirl. But instead of it just being, uh, you know, another socialite, and instead of it being, you know, at, at one point, one of the Bat family members is a legit relative of Bruce Wayne. Um, it's the daughter of Commissioner Gordon. What a twist. What a what a cool addition, a cool little wrinkle to add that you are going to a man and you are entrusting a man with helping you save this entire city, but you have to keep one of the biggest secrets uh, to yourself. And it has to do with a, a member of his immediate family, which is the idea that every night you're putting his daughter in danger. I mean, I actually love that it ties in with Gordon because like you said earlier, Gordon is like, he's been around since the very first issue. So this kind of gives it weight. So that was a great decision. It are in, in all iterations, does Gordon not know? Uh, you got, it's always like assumed like he does know. Right. You know, but 
is there like in canon right now? Does he know? I don't think so. Okay. Or, or he acts like he doesn't know because in my mind he knows. Right. In my mind he knows about the whole situation. He knows Bruce is Batman. Yeah. He knows. You know. He knows. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's not. It's not commonly fit, like stated that he knows unless it's like done for an emotional moment. I've known all along, Barbara. And yeah. then it gets erased later on for some reason. Yep. Or or you get the uh, uh, sometimes being a hero is putting a, a coat on a kid. And tell him it's gonna be all right. <laughs> and that kid was Bruce Wayne, and that kid was me. And then you fly away. <laughs> what did he just say? What did that guy just say? That was so inspirational. Anyone catch that? I wonder <laughs> who that man was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, Batgirl. I like Batgirl. When I think of Batgirl, to tell you the truth, when I think of um, like the scope of the secret, the scope of. Um, her going behind her father's back and all that stuff. I think of that over the edge episode of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, one of the best. Oh my gosh. I still get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, but it's this idea of almost, it could, you it could almost be uh, pitched as a what if story, but basically Barbara gets that's hit. What, that's almost what it was though. Yeah. Barbara gets hit with some, um, scarecrow toxin and, um, she imagines what would happen if not only she died, but if her body was thrown off a building and it landed on Commissioner Gordon's car and then he found out that it was his daughter. And like that, all that of that. really weird. Like when usually when you're dreaming, you fall, you die, you wake up. Yeah, she, she's the third party in her own dream. Um, but like the, all of it, uh, Gordon, I always knew and I never thought I had to come for you, but now I'm coming. Like all that stuff, cut the crap, Bruce, all that. I was like, all right. I'm with this. I completely dig this. Uh, what colors do you like your Batgirl in? Uh, gotta go with the black and gold. Black and gold? Yeah. I know yeah. a lot of people like the Burnside outfit, the black and uh, purple and yellow. Yeah. <laughs> but, Something um, like that baby blue, you know? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm more of a fan of the original. I, yeah, that black and gold looks pretty damn good. <laughs> Purple's not bad, though. Like you were saying, purple's not bad. It's, if, it's de- if definitely up there as well. Let's talk about Detective Comics, issue 395. Uh, I like to call this O'Neill and Adams Redefine the Bat because this uh, story was called The Secret of the Waiting Graves. It came out in November of 1969, but this was the end of the Batmania that the television show had uh, established. It it was the end of the Bat-Tootsie. It's the yeah, end so, of, uh, <laughs> we're trying to get back to a serious version of Batman, as serious as you can get within the comics code. And when I think of, um, like Neil Adams' Batman, I think of the obviously the blue Batman, but obviously, yes, uh, shirtless, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fu- sword like, fighting Razago. But I mean, I think okay. So when Neil and Adam, when O'Neill and Adams take over Batman and they turn it a little darker than it had been on the TV show, I think this is what movie writers and directors need to look at rather than The Dark Knight Returns all the time. As much as yes. I love that story, sometimes people that don't understand Batman will read a story like that and come away with a different interpretation of him. Right. <laughs> so I kind of wish people would look a little further back to see what it. <clears throat> What's weird to, to me see is- that. I don't yeah. understand how people don't understand that The Dark Knight Returns only works with years of continuity and gravitas. Exactly. 
And so exactly. why would you go straight to that? You you missing out on some prime Batman <laughs> by <laughs> by having him turn so sour so quick. And you I miss- get that. I get that. That intensity is the easiest way to capture Hollywood's attention. But we've done it. Yeah, <laughs> we've done it. Let's move on. Yeah, I'm. I'm telling you, I'm. I'm waiting to see a, a little bundle get dropped in front of his doorstep any day now. <laughs> Change his whole thing up. Uh, but yeah, like you said, this this is what starts the Dark Knight detective. This is what starts, um, you know, this level of Batman where he starts being taken seriously and his stories are darker. You're getting rid of the crazy quotes and you're getting rid of um, the Zebra Man. And uh, a few issues later in uh, Detective Comics uh, 411, we get the introduction of Talia al Ghul, which obviously then contains the first reference to Raz, and that opens up an entire right uh pandora's box of stories <laughs> you could tell with batman because now batman's international you know now batman is dealing with uh secret organizations we're not it's 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 um it's gone from just gotham and everything and to, pirates like, bro i saw i, I saw an issue where he fought a pirate it's gone from those you know the ham and eggers and the pirates and stuff and now we, we're taking on whole organizations uh secret organizations that are operating in the shadows and i think that's a really, really cool and also a kind of tropey thing we end up seeing with Batman <laughs> a couple more times. This idea that the man, the, the, the secret Avenger is fighting secret organizations, uh, which I think is very, very cool. What do you think of the character of Ra's al Ghul? I actually really like Ra's. I really like Ra's. I really like Talia. I, and, and, and they gave me Damien. Yeah. <laughs> the eventual evolution of those characters brought yeah. us Damien Wayne. But, um... I like the idea that there's this person that is so focused on their own goal that they clearly know Bruce is Bruce and they don't care. That's not my business, detective. Right. I just, um, I, I, um, I want to save the world from itself, even if I have to kill everybody on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, and to have lived several times over and have that knowledge, but to still be impressed by Batman, it's like, huh? You would think, uh, you would think he's, you would, you would, I honestly wonder if Bruce Wayne has used the uh, Lazarus pit in the past, or someone's going to eventually pick up on the fact that he's been around it for so long. Yeah, right. He's got <laughs> residual, he has uh, jumped in. Residual um, fountain of youth there. <laughs> I, I dig that. Um, last but not least, I want to talk about Detective Comics 572 with the cover date of March 1987. It's the 50th anniversary of Detective Comics, uh, and in that extra size anniversary issue, you see a mystery bring together Batman, Robin, Bradley P.I., um, Elongated Man, and Sherlock freaking Holmes. I love that it's an anniversary of Detective Comics, so it's still an anniversary of Detective Comics. Exactly, yep. Nowadays, an anniversary of Detective Comics means an anniversary of Batman. Right. (laughs) Right. But I, um, then, what, so you said 50 50 anniversary. I think it's harder when you start getting closer to 100 because of the pure weight of the Batman stories versus what comes. We did get a little bit of that in Detective 1000, though. Yes, yes, yes. and I, I like that uh, that callback. But let's go from talking about iconic issues of Detective Comics to talking about the more recent issues of Detective Comics. What are you thinking about this DC Rebirth run? I loved it. I loved the focus on the Bat family because we had lost some of that with, yeah. with past events. Um. So if you've just caught up on Rebirth, which is a good jumping on point, you know, uh, issue 934, um, you've read... 
over 60 issues of comics at this point <laughs> um, <laughs> to get to 1,000. But I do think that it, there was some very uh, good stories. And we've already established that Batman has his own title. So Detective had to distinguish itself from that Batman title. And I think it did well by adding a bunch of additional characters. Um, in The Rise of the Batman, the first volume of this uh, of the DC Rebirth stories, you get the Dark Knight uh enlisting Batwoman and being like you can lead this new this team of um of new players of of Gotham Knights I think they were playing around with that idea for a while right <laughs> a little bit but they never actually went there did they no I, I think it was said a couple times but I think that they were just like eh, I don't think we want to stick to that <laughs> it doesn't work um, right, right. ball team or something but um although the team has Batwoman uh, Red Robin spoiler and even uh, Cassie Kane the biggest deal is that they enlist Clayface that was that was really I I like the uh, the character arc they had him go through in this. Yeah, it was out of it was out of left field, and um he's in, an incredibly sympathetic character, uh usually used as kind of a, a dud, and sometimes <laughs> um he's portrayed as um j- like just monstrous, like almost yeah. not thinking, just this big uh, uh glob of monster exact- monster. <laughs> no, definitely. And we got to see like kind of what makes Clayface tick in this. Um, they even went back to the well with the Night of the Monster Men. It was the first big uh, rebirth crossover that took place uh, across Nightwing and Batman. That was, that was all right. I thought I wasn't. I wasn't too. I wasn't too uh, enthusiastic about it before I heard it, when I heard about it. And I guess yeah. it kind of. <laughs> it it was... got kind of. It kind of ended kind of abruptly, like. We got the like, cure, and now we'll just give it to everybody. <laughs> Open a shut case. No one's dead. No one. No buildings have been crashed down. We're all done here. Uh, what do you think of the victim, the victim, the the victim syndicate arc? This idea that uh, innocent victims maimed or bro- broken by Batman's uh, greatest enemies band together and blame Batman. I always love to see Batman deal with the consequences of his actions. Yeah, you know, because these are things people love to poke at when they want to uh make fun of or talk you know talk down about a character it's like well look look at this how many people must he have given brain damage to or how many people has he hurt you know what 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 about what what about the life insurance uh costs that people deal with after he beats them for selling minor drugs <laughs> right <laughs> and keeping you know we 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 talk and we we've had extensive talks off air about you know batman's uh no kill rule and and all that kind of stuff but he almost creates more and more villains by letting them go <laughs> yes right by keeping now he thinks they will, they will leave with the idea of like well i just got beat up by batman i'll never deal with that again or i'll never you know do anything wrong to have to deal with his wrath again but mostly they go i need bigger guns i need a bigger crew and i'll try this tomorrow <laughs> i think we should talk i think we should talk about that for a second though like because okay. it's like as long, well, when 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 it comes to uh, the Batman No Kill rule, because I feel yeah. like uh, as long as the main version of Batman has this, as long as the main version of Batman has this uh, these rules in place, I feel like it's it's fun to play around with and see what would happen if he did. Like with right now, they've got the Grim Knight. Yes, you, you know, like right. it's 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 really edgy, but <laughs> like part of me is like, okay, I kind of like this. Well, that's the but, thing, you know. They say they say that uh, they say in sociology that we need deviants, that um, we need the 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 bad guys, quote unquote. We that in in our society we need um those who quote unquote do what's wrong because it it 
stiffens our belief in what's right. And so if you can create a Batman who's all about killing, in contrast, you realize just how much our Batman doesn't like it. You know, how much how Batman, like, oh, wow, he does restrain himself because this guy's not even giving a damn. Like, everybody's getting it. And so you get more of an appreciation for um, our Bruce and his uh, thing of not killing. But like you said, again, we've seen people on fire, right? <laughs> we've seen people, <laughs> we've seen him, uh, you know, the, the bat plane Fall launch grenades and all kinds of stuff. Acid, tanks of acid. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I think in that first issue, it was like, that man just fell into a tank of acid. And he's like, yep, a fitting end for his kind. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> Bruce, you're out of control here, B. One of these days, somebody's going to phone some chemicals and you're going to have to deal with that. It's going to come back to bite you. Yeah, no. Um, how'd you feel about the death of Tim Drake? Quote, unquote. In, uh, I in, think he uh, was the last Robin to not die. I was very angry that it didn't get capitalized on more than it did. Because it was like, okay... The, the rebirth angle's going on, and, and, and we don't know what Doomsday Clock is yet. We just know that something Watchmen is happening, and that Mr. Oz was supposedly associated with it. And yeah. we're like, whoa, they abducted Tim because he has so many emotional ties to everyone in the in, in the universe, and they're still trying to keep it dark or whatever. And yeah. eventually, it just doesn't. It kind of it kind of doesn't matter. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Oz, B. It was that and, Mr. Oz story. <laughs> Mr. Oz becomes uh, Superman's, uh, he was Superman's dad, as we all know. The whole time, as Uh, we all know. (laughs) And and even though though they kind of revealed that it was Dr. Manhattan that did it, he didn't really connect to the Doomsday Clock story at all. Like, I'm kind of mad about things like that. No, uh, and then it kind of got twisted into that weird uh, future Tim stuff. Oh, man, that actually, I enjoyed it. But like I said, I was still mad that, this was this didn't turn out to be an important plot point in what it seemed to be. You know, like it, was, yeah. it looked like it was going to be important. I wonder if they changed directions somewhere along the way, or if this was always the plan to just take him off the board for no reason and then put him back on. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, I that panel of him being shot up is is beautiful, tragic, <laughs> but a very beautiful a picture. And he had just um, accepted uh, to go to college. And stuff. So Stephanie oh. was giving Batman some crap. <laughs> he was, he was like, gonna, he was gonna leave. He was gonna leave anyway. Yeah, Bat- but Batman thought he wasn't, and he was gonna try to finish Stephanie's story, a uh, uh, <laughs> sentence or whatever. He's like, I can't believe he denied. He's like, denied it. He's going. He was gonna go. Like he was about to leave your ass. Um, it just shows like uh, how hard it is for people to get out from underneath Batman sometimes and realize that there's another life to live. I do like that Tim eventually did get to have kind of that life with taking Stephanie with him and. Uh, finding out some more mysteries of his own. I think that the biggest arc for me personally in um, the Detective Comics Rebirth run is after uh, Kate Kane kills Clayface. Oh, man. Um, that they, was uh, kind of heart tugged. Like, tugged out the heart. Right? <laughs> and, and the thing is, I did not think I would have that affinity for that character. But Clayface, of all people. Yeah. And I... I I don't write these stories, so sometimes I wonder what it takes to get there. Like, how how did they get me there? And I think what actually tore me down was that during this detective run, um, I started to really, really, really like um, Cassandra Kane, And it made me go back to um, read her in Batman Eternal with, uh, um, I forgot her dad's name, and a Lady Shiva. And and all that stuff there, her humble beginnings of never never speaking, only speaking in um 
body language and stuff. And I know she had a different uh, set of origins uh, prior to New 52. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so did most of the people. Yeah, the- <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, she also had no eyes or mouth. But <laughs> there was a... Uh, I Her relationship slash friendship with Clayface, I thought, was adorable. Um, yes. Dumb practicing Shakespeare. Uh, and so when... the you know, the idea is that Clayface has become out of control and he is going to destroy the city. And so to stop him, they need to put him down. And uh, no one gives Kate the word to, but she does when she sees the, the shot that she can take. And that takes Clayface down. But watching Cassandra um, rip the, the bat or point. Did she rip it or does Batman rip it? No, nah, I think it was her, and she's like, "This means no, no kill. kill, never kill, yeah, never kill." Exactly. And I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "You just got here, you know that." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, it was like it might have been a necessary decision, but the fact that she did it without the order makes it easier to blame her. I thought they was cool that they did it that way. Definitely, definitely. Um, th- this wasn't a case of of it was clear cut wrong in my eyes, at least. And I think that the character herself. Um, goes to great lengths to be like, what What are you talking about? Like, was this not the threat? Was this not the mission? Did I not act to the mission? Are we not all safe now? Yeah, exactly. And, and she's she's the daughter of a soldier, right? Exactly. You know, yep. Like, and she she's been she's been a soldier herself. Like, oh, through. that's right. That's right. How could I forget? Oh my god. Yeah, she's been a soldier herself. So it's this idea that like she knows the the necessary things to get you know get the job done, and in that instance, we start to really try to wonder where everyone's going to fall on the side of it. And we didn't even speak too much about them, but we got the additions of Batwing and Asriel added yes. to the team. I always think, I always, I, one of my pet peeves is when they introduce a member of the Bat family and throw them to the side. Like, yeah. whatever, whatever happened to Bluebird? You know, yeah. like, no, my My question has been, now, after reading 1000 and after reading all the issues up to it, where the hell is Signal? <laughs> exactly because he's, they, he, he yeah, just appeared randomly here yeah and they the, showed like a like an issue towards the end of this uh detective comics run where he was like just fighting crime somewhere else and i'm just like wait you just wait are you have your own book is there a, book, a secret signal book that details what's did, going on with you that i don't know the, um he did have a like a three issue book i'm not sure if it was supposed to be three issues or if it got canceled oh, or <laughs> that's not good it was like <laughs> right. batman and the signal and it was like uh scott snyder plotted it but someone yeah. else it, and i'm trying to remember who it is i don't right now though and he has like bat sickles like bat, like bat ice it's picks weird. his costume is actually shitty i mean to <laughs> me <laughs> i'm not a big fan of it oh, it's dude. really stupid because it's so i i don't know it's got like a helmet it looks like a it's like, like a, a bike helmet it's just like, like a regular... a future, he looks like a futuristic skateboarder yeah. or something you know? Or some kind of weird futuristic rugby player, like all the padding and all that stuff. <laughs> Something. Like what are you? What are you? What are you out here doing? Um, did this detective run in rebirth? Uh, add anything you think to Batwoman? Uh, I wouldn't say. I mean, it was definitely a fun story arc. If you're like a fan of Batwoman and you want to keep up with her adventures, that's definitely something to look forward to. But I didn't think it was like something. Uh, it like, like completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's on the tip of my tongue. Like something, something like, or groundbreaking, groundbreaking, I guess, or super important. 
Okay. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, but, 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 yeah, so the team definitively splits. You get Batwoman, um, Luke Fox, and John Paul Valley on one side. Um, I co- we'll just call that tied a uh, new team arrow. And then we have uh, Batman, um, Robin, and Orphan on the other side. And we get to see how both sides operate. And the only reason why I call him the new team arrow is for some strange reason. <laughs> this exact story was going on at the exact same time as they I'm were doing a very God, similar funny. story in Arrow where uh, that w- the woman on that team, uh, Black Canary Dinah, she wants to kill Black Siren. And um, Arrow thinks she's going too far. So the team splits and they do three and three. It's they go Felicity and... Uh, Arrow and Dinah, uh, Curtis and Renee, and I was like, "This is very close. Like this, this is going on at the same time, and it's all like, it's you know, like a, these are very these type of things happen all the time in comics and comic media. It's really weird. Like with uh, Captain Marvel and Shazam coming yeah. out so close together, it's like I don't know. I always wonder, like, because there's no way these things are planned, right? So it's like it's just fun to look at these coincidences. Uh, I gotta ask you, what do you think about the general? Uh, general. Uh, I'm so. No, I sorry. think his name is just the general. That uh, that um, hacker. That hacker that decides to go full heel and shave his head and take oh. over Tim Drake. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at that point, we were just getting a little away from what we had been doing. I think. What was it? A uh, was it a new writer at that? Point? At that point, I think so because this is when you get to the you get that whole OMAC thing, you get that whole, and then they have to go into time Tim's brain and fight and all that, all that other stuff. Oh, it got kind of oh, away into the weeds. <laughs> a bit. Kind of weird at that point. No, definitely. I think I might have jumped off the detective comic train for a little bit because I um there was that whole futuristic Tim thing, and then the after that I kind of moved on, and I was like, ah. I'll come back to it later on. And then uh, James Robinson came back, and I was like, oh, I'll check it out. But I wasn't still picking me up. And then the latest Tomashi run was where I really was like, okay, I can stick to this. Yeah, although, that was really good. Although I, I got to give my opinion about the Arkham Knight later on. We'll get to that. Oh, no. We're, yeah, we're definitely going to get there. Uh, <laughs> but would you say you were on the outside looking in at that point? Because, you know, Batman was also on the outside. He go ahead and tra- starts to try to create his own team of outsiders. Um, this is a direct result of metal or yes. no justice? No, I was, uh, I think at this point it was metal. Okay. Yeah. I want to say, I want to say, <laughs> right. that, cause Scott Steiner's whole super event is kind of blending in for me right now. I don't no, know if no, you're not lying. <laughs> and so he, he enlists, um, Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning, and he gets Katana on board. Um, they're getting their own book in May. Oh, it's been canceled. It got canceled. Whoa, back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you told me this. It got canceled it got already. Canceled huh? back in November, but then they re-solicited it for, like, May, and now we'll see if it actually comes out. <laughs> they really felt like they were setting that book up, so it's very, it's kind of sad that if they don't get to go there. What happened was they were doing this original plan where, like, Scott Snyder was going to do Justice League, and they were going to be, like, connected books, and it was going to be all interwoven, and for some reason they abandoned it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then, and, uh, to, and sadly that happens more often than not in comics. Uh, yeah, it's really sad. It is really sad, especially when you're a more uh, advanced reader and you can kind of see where they're going, and then you're like, "Oh, they! I see you decided to take a new direction. This is very disappointing." Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, listen, 
We don't talk. Don't just sit here and talk about Batman and disappointing, you know, directions. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you um, the last two arcs that we dealt with in this rebirth run, uh, one of them is called Deface the Face, and we see Two Face uh, kind of hopping on both sides of the fence, <laughs> literally the bad guy and the good guy. Uh, that's what he likes to do. But that last one, that road to one thousand, um, I thought was really poignant, uh, and. It was almost like, you know, everyone's going to write their story for 1,000. I'm going to take six issues and write it for 1,000. That's exactly what it felt like, right? Yeah. And so after Dr. Leslie Tompkins is attacked, Bruce comes to realize that he's being targeted by someone who knows him like no other, causing him to hit a crossroads. I've got to say, they kind of, they fooled me. They fooled me because I thought Leslie was dead. I'm I'm turning these pages going, what's going on? Like, is Gotham burning? Because Bruce (laughs) is just losing. He's just losing and the villain is one step ahead of him and he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm just like, is this how this is going to end? Like, who is this? And uh, I guess it gets um, revealed that every year, every year on Bruce Wayne's birthday, he, um, he kind of, what would you say? He... He hooks himself up to a virtual reality system. Kind of, yeah. He kind of puts himself through a emotional battle, intense psychological <laughs> trauma <laughs> that he true. says is to sharpen his um, sharpen his skills. Um, I do like how that that story ends, um, where he is asking for the kill counts every year. So. He, um, they're like, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> He's like, that's what I was, that's what I'm thinking about the whole story, though. It's like, yeah. you sharpen your skills. What more do you need to do? Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Right. And that's the thing. I think we all get that. I think when he starts to say, like, uh, you know, I'm afraid that one day I'm going to need to be faster than I am and I won't be able to, or one day I'm going to need to do this and I won't be able to, um, I think a lot of us are reading that and going, come on, bro. Like, you can do everything. Like, why are you being so hard on yourself? But ultimately, Batman's like, uh, you know, show me everyone who's died this year. And it's like, um, you know, 190, you know, innocent people were killed in Gotham this year. And the then he's like, show me the, right down though, right? yeah, he's a- like, show me the numbers from last year. And it's like 200 and something. And so, although we all think that he's as sharp as he can be, we have definitive proof that he is, that this is getting the job done, that his sharpening of this knife is cutting deep into the crime that's in Gotham. And, if you've ever saved money and started working really, if you ever saved money and started working really hard and just started being obsessed with watching it climb up, I'm pretty sure he's seeing this. He's feeling the same way, the opposite way around, right? Um, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of people telling him that he doesn't have to go out every night, that he doesn't have to bring all his gadgets, that not every crime, um, you know, needs him. But when you see those numbers, there's no arguing those numbers. There's no arguing that those results. It's almost sad because that's meant to be a lot. And I know in some places that is, but in other places, that's like such a small number. That's the number they have within a month, you, you know? know? <laughs> right, right. But uh, I guess Gotham is supposed to be better. Um, yeah, but he says that he puts himself in this position to evolve or die. He's either going to constantly change and constantly get better or, or, or go. Um, and... I was actually pretty touched. I, I often forget how much Leslie uh, Tompkins means to Batman. Yeah, I love the way they portrayed them, like like Alfred and uh, and 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 
I hate that it had to be pointed out to me, right? This is something that I really should have picked up on on my own. Mm-hmm. Leslie Tompkins was basically Bruce's mom, and Alfred yeah. was basically Bruce's dad. Yeah. Like, I, love, I hate that I had to be slapped in the face with that. And <laughs> she, she's the one who put the foot down? Like, you will not be doing that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, get, yeah. I get you got dead parents. Trust me. I get it. We're right, we're right around the corner from Crime Alley, damn it. And that's the thing. That's another thing that he respects about her is that she puts her clinic in the heart of where people need her the most. She's brave. Uh, yes, incredibly <laughs> brave. Um, but we're going to get into the nitty and gritty and get full spoilery with the Detective Comics 1000 issue, going over each story and talking about which ones are our favorites and which ones are not our favorites. But I thought with all the history of Batman that I could try to quiz you a bit. Uh-oh. Mr. Uh, Yogi. And don't worry, it's not going to be hard. It's basically a couple questions you see. Although Batman has a humongous history in his own comic, uh, the Batman comic, the self-titled comic, a number, a litany of people have debuted in Detective Comics, uh, first before debuting in Batman. So, I would like to ask you, who debuted first? And see if you can try to guess. What do you think? Oh, this is going to be fun. I hope I can get him. I'm not really good with remembering stats. <laughs> Trust me, I would have gotten a lot of these wrong if I didn't write, if I didn't write them down. So let's, let's start with a little bit of a softball. Who debuts first? The criminal mastermind Hugo Strange or the cold-blooded killer Joe Chill? Oh, it's definitely Joe Chill. And that is correct. Joe Chill debuts in issue 33 in 1939. Hugo Strange, 36. Oh. 36. Um, I actually wh- didn't know it was so early, though. Very close. Hugo Strange is actually considered Batman's first supervillain. Nice. Yeah, and uh, we see them pay a little bit of tribute to Hugo in um, in 1000. Okay, okay, that was you, you. You got that one. You knocked that one out of the park. So let's go to the <laughs> zoo. Seeing as we're out of the park, let's go to the zoo. Who Uh-oh. debuted first? Killer Croc, Waylon Jones, or uh, Kirk Langstrom, the Man Bat? I want to say man bat, but I'm not sure. It just kind of feels right. <laughs> <laughs> you thinking of? Uh, I think you're thinking of on leather wings or whatever. <laughs> the... no, well, that too, but it's like the <laughs> idea of man bat seems so obvious. Someone you just flip have... the you just flip the words around. I don't someone know. He could fight some sort of man bat. <laughs> exactly. Like someone <laughs> must have thought of this really early. You know, I want to go with man bat. You're gonna go with man bat. Well, survey says. Correct, Man Bat Kate debuted in issue 400 in June of 1970, while Killer Croc didn't come until 1983 in issue 523. Nice, nice. Well, well, that's pretty late in. Yeah, it's pretty late in what I would think. Croc, right? I thought Croc was a bit earlier. Yeah, Croc too, but like Man Bat, it seems like like I said, it seems like such an obvious thing. Like I think so. I thought I figured someone would have came up with it much earlier on in like the Golden Ages or something, like around the Riddler and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, let's let's get a little bit of this testosterone out of the podcast, and let's talk about who debuted first: uh, Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, or just uh, an, another member of the GCPD. But this one's a man, Harvey Bullock. Oh, I want to say Harvey. I want to say Harvey only because um, I know Batgirl was created just for the show, and. Harvey Bullock has become such a, a, a integral part of the Gordon mythos, right? I yep, feel like you have that bullet. That. For, you got that bullet for Bullock story. He has to have been there early on, so I want to say Harvey Bullock. 
Survey says Batgirl actually debuted oh, first. Oh my god. The Batgirl debuts in issue 359 in 1967. Harvey Bullock uh debuts in issue 441 all the way in 1974. Whoa, okay, I was off. So that's that's uh about 5 45 years after Commissioner Gordon. Jeez. That's a very long time. Because I, I put Harvey right up there with everybody else. Yeah, exactly. He seems like touching it. Well, I guess you, that's a result of me growing up on the Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Harvey's always so stressed on that thing. <laughs> he's always just going through it. Like, he don't have the time to comb his hair or put his suit on right. He's just going through it. And always smoking figure, them damn cigarettes. You figure when, when he eventually does die, it will be from a heart attack. Yes. It's going to have to be. <laughs> it's going to have to be. Uh... How about we start talking about some baddies? Who debuted first? Basil Carlos Clayface or the Penguin Oswald Cobblepot? This is a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I have absolutely no clue. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a guess. Toss up, it's a toss up. <laughs> Boy. Uh Penguin. <laughs> this is Clayface debuted first in uh, issue 40. In 1940, one year after Batman's debut, you get Basil Karloff as Clayface, uh, where, where Cobblepot debuts in 1941, a full year after uh, Clayface. These are actually both, they're both early, much earlier than I thought they were. Yeah. So, you've gotten two right. <laughs> two wrong. This is the final. Who debuted first? And here we go. And fittingly, I consider this the hardest because this these debuts take place within five issues apart. Oh boy. That is the spoiler, Stephanie Brown, or the question, Renee Montoya. Uh whoa. Uh oh I feel like I, I know <laughs> You're making a lot of interesting noises over there, sir. <laughs> oh man, I I I read I read both of these, but I read them retroactively, so I like uh-huh. it was I didn't read them when they came out. Damn it! Um, I want to say the question because New Fifty Two because it, it because it was in uh, it was in Fifty Two and that was weekly. It was coming out faster. That's my guess. Well, that is that is the uh, this is the 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 what is it the the draw the tiebreaker. I was gonna say drawbreaker. I'm like, what the hell is that? Um, well, Renee Montoya did make her debut yes. first in March of 1992, where Stephanie Brown came out in June of 1992. Okay. Very very close. But just some other names to rattle off as far as debuts. You here. know, I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were. Uh, I thought you were talking about Renee Montoya as the question. Oh right. Well, I. <laughs> but I. But you still got it right. Check that I out. I did get it right though. <laughs> But another fun fact, Renee Montoya, to my knowledge, and I have to double check this, but I'm almost 98% sure, comes from the animated series. Oh, I think you're right. She She's right. not a, an original comic book character. She was created in the animated series, and they take her from there, and she ultimately becomes her own superhero. So how amazing is that? That's sick. She's actually on Gotham, too, right? Yes. Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, uh, just a real quick list of people who debuted in Detective Comics. You got Slam Bradley, like we were talking about before. That just sounds like a horrible uh, j- uh, um, Jim Crockett Promotions wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and this Sunday, in the Alamo Dome, is going to be Slam Bradley. Uh, 
So it's Lamb Bradley, Commissioner Gordon, Joe Chill, Hugo Strange, Dick Grayson, Clayface, Penguin, Two-Face, Riddler, Red Hood, Firefly, Martian Manhunter, Mad Hatter, Batwoman, Barbara Gordon, Man Bat, Talia Al Ghul, Harvey Bullock, Leslie Tompkins, Killer Croc, Anarchy, Renee Montoya, Stephanie Brown, and Sasha Bordeaux. Now there was some other um debuts, but I think those really highlight uh some really key players in there. And I think that our little game of who debuted first really shows how much of the mythos is scrambled in our heads, right? Because of depending on how we got in and depending on what was our first um interaction with some of these characters. Yeah, for sure. Now let's get into this one thousand. I know y'all been waiting for us to get into this one thousand. <laughs> That's what they're here for. Uh, so let's let's take it story by story. The first story that opens up is Batman's longest case, uh, with um, written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo. One of the most popular talent uh, talent teams in the history of Gotham Knight delivers a tale in which Batman follows clues around the world, leading him back to his home in Gotham City and to a secret secret organization that's been keeping tabs on him for years. I think that it was uh they tied back they tied it back to like his first case, right? Yes. Yeah, that uh chemical that guy who his son was blamed for his death. Exactly. Um I'm really interested to see what they do with these with this uh team of uh detectives. I yeah, what they call the themselves, guild, but it's like the detectives guild. Yes, like the greatest detectives in the DC universe currently have a secret organization and they have been trying to uh test and recruit Bruce Wayne as Batman. Is that woman Sue Dibney? Uh, yeah, I really hope so, because she deserves to have that horrible bit of... Um, <laughs> history. History and lore ripped out of her uh, existence. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture now. When they say, welcome to the guild, because basically Batman is given a, a wild goose hunt, kind of like National Treasure style, <laughs> so he could eventually be initiated into the uh, Guild of, of Detectives. And we see some of DC's greatest detectives in uh, this page where you got Connor Hawk, uh, Connor Hall, um, you have uh, Hawk Girl, you have Martian Manhunter, John Jones, Elongated Man, Detective Chimp, uh, our boy Bradley Smash something. <laughs> Slam, <his> Bradley. <laughs> Slam Bradley. Um, the question, as mentioned before, I'm going to say uh, Sue Dibney. There's just some random woman. But then in the background, there's just like two people checking out books. So I don't oh, know. Wait, I actually didn't see that. Is it like a big organization? Then? I, I don't. I don't know. They're just they're they're all sitting there talking to Batman at the table, like, "Hey, uh, welcome to the group." But there's just people in the background, like just checking out books. And supposedly, I, all I, these I, books I, are the mysteries, the greatest mysteries that the universe has to uncover. And you could just uh, like they're all cold cases, they're all unsolved. And so um, that's what this guild does. They go to try to solve the unsolvable. I actually wonder if, um, it, well, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have one final Batman story coming out called, uh, I think, Last Night. Or oh, something. is that the one with uh, Joker's head in a jar? Uh, yeah, it's like we've been seeing all these really weird teases on Greg Capullo's Instagram. And uh, I wonder if this has something to do with that or if they're just going to slap a little piece of lore there for someone else to come and pick up later on if they feel like it. Yeah, because, I mean, the guild... I'd I'd like to see a bunch of detectives going at it. You know, I'd like to see them uh, getting down to the nitty gritty. And for the people who um, hunger for that detective part of Batman, you get it served up right there in the first issue. I mean, the first story of Detective Comics. And I do think that a lot of people um, showcase their version of Detective Batman because it is Detective Comics, you know? Yes. Like, uh, 
let's lean into the mystery. So how did you feel about that story of Batman's longest case? Uh, I, like I said, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I would enjoy it more if I knew that it was going to be a thing later on. Like, I would totally read a book. I would I would buy a ongoing series about the Detective Guild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dig it. Um, We'll get into the next story, Manufacture for Use, written by Kevin Smith with art by Jim Lee. The fan-favorite director of Clerks and one of Batman's most visionary artists present a story that cuts between... Batman fighting his greatest villains and his attempts to track down the gun that killed his parents. I gotta say, when I know it's Kevin Smith writing, it kind of pulls me out of it a little bit sometimes. Yes. But um, by the end of his story, I I I I was pulled in. Like I really I like this more than I thought that I would. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bury the lead, and I think on a different story, on a different day, on any given day, it probably changed. But I do think that this was probably my favorite story. And what's funny is I had the same feeling as you. I was like, okay, this is the Batman Peter's Pants guy. Like, I like Kevin Smith. <laughs> but um, sometimes he thinks because he loves Batman, he could do what he wants with Batman. That's a good That's a good description of it. Um, and So this was kind of uh, uh, evidence of that. But it right. was good. <laughs> yes. So, so you sit there and you, you know, you're... you're um, I'm I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, for him to introduce like a daughter or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, basically, Batman tracks down the gun that killed his parents, and then um, as Matches Malone, I love Matches Malone. By the I way. love Matches. I'm so glad he got an appearance in the celebration. I love Matches Malone. Um, and so you uh you see that Bruce Wayne is able to find like this weird um uh, black market. Of uh of uh like leftover supervillain tech from 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 battles like or crimes fire, or fireflies helmet and like freezes gun it's almost like, like an weird, a, it's, it's almost like a museum or a pawn shop actually of, of just <laughs> of nefarious a weapons and stuff. A pawn shop. yeah and so as far as guns are concerned you know matches uh Batman as matches Bruce Wayne as matches Malone his uh disguise his very famous disguise goes buys the um gun. Did you catch that there was a gun that they were selling that was jammed by the Joker or by the Riddler? Is that? Oh, the... I, I actually didn't. Uh, oh yeah, I see it now. I kind of that kind of glossed over that because the ending of the issue is what I remember the most. Is that that's the uh, the Joker's Riddle gun, right? Yes, yes, okay. that's exactly what that is. I missed that yeah. completely. <laughs> yeah, I, when I read it, I was like, "Don't go back to that. <laughs> Don't point me back in that direction." <laughs> Also, uh, are, are you looking along? Yes. Okay, when you turn the next page, I saw that guy, right? And I was... I, 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 that's what I thought it was, and that's a Kevin Smith. Uh, yep, yes, villain. it is. You had to get him in there. <laughs> but the first thing I thought was, he reminded me of Karma, which was this villain that Batman just dealt with in Detective, where he had, like, a mask with, um, the, like, an expressionless mask and a red, like light in the middle of it and then it also reminds me a little bit of jason's design which then goes to show that they just kind of like to put people in <laughs> <laughs> like, like these mask. faceless masks that are expressionless and these leathery jackets or trench coats and trench guns coats. the trench coat you know they love it bro same thing with hush you know put them in a trench coat they love <laughs> that stuff um but yeah uh he buys the gun and you see a bunch of people constantly attacking him uh at, on his bat symbol on his chest and um, he takes the gun, and Alfred, and I kind of like this. Alfred's like, "Listen, you know, I let you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I hope you bring in the back, the, that big old dinosaur and the coin and all that stuff. And I didn't complain about any of it. But I don't really don't think that you should be using 
um, the gun that killed your parents as just like this prop, like in a museum. I think it's incredibly depressing and I don't think it's cool at all. And he's like, oh, no, nah, screw, uh, that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, it's never going to hurt anyone to, uh, again. I just really loved, um, I love Jim Lee's, like, celebration artwork here. Like, he's got so many, uh, they got so many villains into this. Uh, yeah. Just by using it as a as a way to show how many different times he's been attacked in the chest, like you were just saying. And um, it it screams to me of Hush. You know, a lot of those scenes, a lot of those, um, he, he dealt with so many villains, and Jim Lee drew that. You know, he dealt with so many of these, uh, these rogue gallery in that story, all with beautiful art by Jim Lee, that that's, it speaks to me of that. Um I think that's his favorite version of Batman to draw because you can kind of tell that he was allowed to maybe choose <laughs> which version he'd be drawing it because yes. it looks like he, it's the same design. Yes. Yep. It definitely is. Um, but he takes the metal and he smelts it <laughs> and then he creates a bat symbol. Um, but it's, not, it's like I've seen a lot of news sites running it as um, the origin of the bat symbol, but it's more like a, a armor that goes behind it. You know, yeah, like no, he had art. the bat symbol when he was getting it torn apart. So he had it prior to, he didn't get inspired to have have it through this gun. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's like weird to see like places like uh, Comic Book Resources run that as the origin of the bat symbol. I'm like, no, nah, he was clearly wearing a bat symbol prior to that. He just kind of figured this would be, uh, that, like, that this would be really uh, close to my heart. It'll, it'll protect me the same way it killed my parents. You know, that type of inspirational thing. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think it also should be said that um, that idea kind of comes from like the Punisher. This idea that this the big the big uh, splash logo on your chest is the most armored. Like you want people to shoot at that. You that's, want people to uh, aim at that. That's and, from uh, Attack Returns, actually. Really? Yeah. Um. It be you see it. Um. And then like the animated feature, they cut out that beautiful line where he's like the symbol on my chest it's big it's yellow why would i wear it it's a target yeah because that's i want them to attack and he's got the plate of armor under there perfect yeah Yeah, perfect so it actually does go to go all the way back to batman and if anyone knows dark knight returns is kevin smith (laughs) yes um but yeah after after uh, getting through it what do you think I really liked it. Like I said, when I thought it was Kevin Smith, when I knew it was Kevin Smith, I was like, uh, you know, pulled me out of it. But by the end of it, I was like, okay, this was actually great. It was, it was heartwarming. I really liked it. It wasn't my favorite. We'll get to my favorite later on, but I liked it. I actually didn't dislike any of the stories in this, uh, in this, uh, anthology type issue. I kind of, um, I guess I hated the art on the, Jeff John story, and I know people are gonna crucify me because that's like a legendary <laughs> artwork. No, I, I really didn't. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't all that cracked up to me. I, I definitely am on your side when it comes to that. So let's get to this third story: The Legend of Newt Brody uh, by Paul Dini, Dustin Nugent, uh, Derek Fridolf, and John Kalitz. And uh, this is this purports to tell the story of like the worst um, henchmen um, in the villains of Gotham speak documentary style about that one henchman they each hired who was the absolute worst at his uh, job, constantly screwing up their plans. Did I say this was? Yes, I did say it was Paul Dini. And the reason why I had to double check that if it was Paul Dini was because was it just me or did this read like um the and yeah, I, I hate to keep going back to it, but the <laughs> Batman animated series yeah, episode absolutely. almost got him. 
Oh, absolutely. That's the vibe I got immediately. I was just like, man, why didn't they get Bruce Tim to draw this? I wish yeah. <laughs> he would have went all the way with it. And I would love to have Killer Croc say that he hit him with a rock. Which is <laughs> <laughs> that line, man. It, uh, the delivery of it. <laughs> it, kill, it, it kills. <laughs> uh, he just hit him with a rock. That's it. Um, so, how far. Now, there really is no point in going through like a, a page-by-page synopsis of this because it's being told by many different people. But how I'll ask, how far into the story did you get before you caught on I what was kinda, going on? I kind of got it really early on where they're like, um, it was like really early where I'm like, I can kind of see where they're going with this. I want to say, I don't want to say in the very beginning, okay. but um, maybe uh, the Mad Hatter one where he's like, Hey, five minutes later, the police come. And he's yeah. like, he fell asleep outside. And I'm like, ah, this is getting, I can kind of see where this is going. Yeah, it's getting a little bit convenient for a guy who, you know, <laughs> I, I think it was, I caught on when they shot him. When they shot him and they were like, and for, for some reason, he just came back up. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, the worst <laughs> henchman of all time just randomly popped back up and no one had anything to say about it. And so, uh, all these villains are telling this story about how they hired uh, Newt Brody because apparently villains just hire nameless henchmen to do nameless henchmen jobs. You gotta figure that's how it works, though. Especially, like, today they probably have an app. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. The same way, you, like, people just randomly sign up for Postmates and they don't even really do, like, checks. Same thing. It's like you Uber, to... but for villains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Villain Uber. <laughs> Um, wait, you're saying Uber isn't for villains? But uh, <laughs> so, so conveniently, in all these crimes that New Brody seems to be at and trying to help with, he bumbles, he fumbles, and all the villains get caught. And eventually, um, Poison Ivy goes to kill him, like just blows some dust. She in was his face. sure. She was certain the entire uh, the entire story. She was certain that she had killed him because she killed him with the. <laughs> with a guaranteed death, you know. It yes, wasn't like- I've um, I've, I uh, because science recently did a, a video of like more uh, dangerous plants that poison ivy could uh, use, and I think this is one of them. Uh, the what what she call that thing? Uh, the macaneal tree. Um, I heard it was ex- ex- extremely po- poisonous and toxic, and and all that there. So she literally just blows a whole handful of that in his face and thinks that he's dead. But turns out that Newt Brody is basically a disguise used by various members of the Bat family, including Alfred. Yes, including Alfred. Who sometimes wants to go out there and, uh, you know, get busy. He's the one, he's the one who got shot. Yes. I like I like in the background, you see like a bunch of different masks. But um, <laughs> yeah, they're all about just taking turns, playing this Newt Brody guy. And you got to think how much easier it is to catch people with this. Like, Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like go, almost good cop, bad cop. I'll send you out. I'll follow you. You tell me when you fumbled and we got him. And so I, I, I did like um, I did like that. We'll go into the Batman's design uh, by Warren Ellis and Becky Kloonman. Um, Warren Ellis pens the Batman design with Becky Kloonman, the first woman to draw Batman in the main comic series. So, I did not know that. Definitive. Um, yeah, because for a while, I was trying to wonder what that had to do with the story with the title had to do with the story. Yeah. Um, I, I actually really love the artwork too. Oh my God. And the, the, uh, to go back to, um, uh, Punisher, the, the, like the, the surgical way that he's speaking and like all that, like, you know, um, <laughs> like I, I like that Batman too. The one that knows all the details that is counting down in his head as he's, you know, Going through That's the, um, the master strategist. Yes, yes, the master strategist. Um, 
And I think that that what do you think? That story's pretty cut and dry, right? Goes yeah, it was pretty simple. I liked I liked it. it was it got right to the point. Hey, you uh I understand every single one of these people. I know how to take them down the way that they need to be taken down. I'm always prepared. Yeah. And we see him prepared to the nth degree when he sees an actual suicide bomber uh towards the end of the issue and instead of blowing himself up, he get Batman's basically like, "Do you want to be me?" Because I am tortured forever. <laughs> I do this every day. I'm already trapped in this world where I am constantly in front of bullets and fire and death. I put myself there. Is that what you want to do? And the guy's like, no. And he gives up the uh, <laughs> he gives up the um, the detonator. How do you feel about the Batman's design? Like I said, it was definitely um, it was all right. Um. It was straight to the point, you know. Um, it told the story. It was not. There was no real second D player you need to look into. Sometimes that works the best. I actually. Uh, oh, okay. What were you gonna say? No, no. I I was just agreeing with you. That is the same thing. Like sometimes it just leave it on the paper. You know, leave it all there. Exactly. I was gonna say this next story. Um, I was conflicted about because I'm like, I can tell this is Denny O'Neill saying something about the character of Batman, maybe the way he thinks it is today. So but I, I, I love the guy. I love the art. Damn it, I love Steve Epting. I, right. he, I love seeing him on things, especially Batman, which is one of my favorite characters. So, um, I think it's kind of ironic because. When I read this story, it was my least favorite story. I had put yeah. it to the side as my least favorite story because it felt like an intervention at a birthday party. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's exactly the way to... <laughs> you understand? So I was like, what? Are we doing this now? Is this, is this, really, is this really the time for this? <laughs> We're, we're like having fun and these stories are celebrating the history and here comes Denny O'Neill with his old man statement. And so, yeah, basically, um, you see, uh, it's a direct... Now, here's the thing. It's, it says it's the direct sequel to O'Neill's uh, story, There's No Hope in Crime Alley, uh, from Detective Comics uh, 557, in which t- Leslie Tompkins takes Batman to task for his addiction to violence, which in her mind perpetuates the horror that birthed him um and so in this story we see the same thing go ahead brother (laughs) it's the same thing though it's like it's like it could have been a sequel that uh shows the evolution of but no she's still (laughs) it's to say she's still uh mad at him for the violence nothing changes yeah batman just stops by crime alley just to have a talk with her you know just to just to chat a bit a bunch of street toughs show up one point a gun at Batman, something you don't do in Crime Alley. You understand? Like, you deserve everything that comes to you after that. So, Batman takes care of everyone uh, handedly. And Leslie is just like, Bruce, no! Can't you see he's already hurt enough? <laughs> Poor thing. And then Bruce goes, you feel sorry for him. And she goes, no. For you. End. It <laughs> <laughs> just says End. And I'm like, what? Did I? What? They were going to kill you, though. They came here to kill you. You're an old woman. They're going to rob you and kill you. And you and you're helping them back up. Bruce is too hard on them. I I don't know. So I I took it away from being my least liked story only because I hope to read very soon. There is no hope in Crime Alley. And maybe that will be the other half of this circle that I feel like I'm missing. Because I feel like that's kind of uncalled for in this issue. 
to, 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 to put him on the carpet, you know, to rub his nose in the carpet and hit him with a newspaper. I don't know if this is the issue to do that in, but... But <laughs> Batman should be accountable, so if they want to celebrate the idea that other people can tell him when he's gone too far, then I guess that's not terrible. I, I mean, like I said earlier, I just felt like... Like you said, actually, it's like an intervention at a birthday party. It felt like a... <laughs> it felt like a... God damn, we were having fun, Granny. Yeah, <laughs> yep, and go? then... Uh, and it's also kind of weird because Leslie Tompkins in the story um, prior to this, like literally in nine 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 nine, is like young. She's like oh, a young woman. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and so when I was reading this, I was like, "Wait a minute! <laughs> this is like, am I? Is this a future jump or what?" And I guess, I guess at one point she was just that. And then when it the constant rebirth, they kept her young, and now she's young. I mean, I I know that a few, quite a few people lost some age when uh, the Flashpoint thing happened, and then some of them didn't exactly get it all back when the ten years were. Uh, excuse me, oh my goodness! It's, it's, oh, a, it's, a, it, 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 it's the story, bro. I think Leslie Tompkins took it out of you, bro. Leslie Tompkins. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's uh, you know um. When they inserted the 10 years back into the DC universe with the Dr. Manhattan thing, she just might have still been young. But uh, I guess that this could have taken place in the future or this is an anthology book that kind of takes place all over the timeline. So you never know. Yeah. Um, So now we get into the story Heretic by uh, Christopher Priest and Neil Adams, two of the biggest powerhouse writers and artists in the comic book industry, working together on a story featuring Batman helping a young man escape from Ra's al Ghul's League of Assassins, who then turn up in Gotham dead. Batman travels to Tibet with a message for the League. What do you think of Heretic? I was alright. I didn't think it was any... I, like, I, I'm, I'm, there might have been a second layer to this story that I'm completely missing, but other than having the legendary... <clears throat> the uh, legendary <laughs> Neil Adams <laughs> drawing this... <laughs> I, listen, I, I, I didn't think it looked the best. You know, no, I, well, he's old. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you just don't have the name is important, sure, right? You want to have them on because it's a celebration, but uh-huh. he's old. But he's don't get millered, bro. Realize when you're too old. <laughs> you know, you don't get millered, man. You don't want to get millered, um, because there's like a scene of like Bruce and um, Commissioner Gordon having coffee or whatever. And there's just too many lines. There's like just too many. Like why? Why are there so many lines? Why are their hair? Why is their hair so curly? And so like, poofed. It's just there's just a lot going on. Oh, Al Ghul looks like he has a uh, a balding afro. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> um, and he's just driving around. He's just chilling, driving around in the street. Gets stopped by Batman. Basically, the long and short of it is that um, Batman finds out a man was killed and um, tries to. Uh, you know, follow the clues back to Ra's al Ghul because he finds out that this man was a former member of the League of Assassins and possibly trying to leave the League of Assassins when he was killed. Um, he blames Ra's al Ghul and Ra's al Ghul blames him. He goes, no, you, when you came and did all the stuff that you did and then you left, you yeah, sparked... He does have a point, you yeah, know? <laughs> you sparked a, uh, a mutiny almost. And now people think they can, they can do what you do. And they're going to keep trying to get out. And we're going to have to keep trying to put their ass down. Because, you you know, you caused this. Um, and so Batman goes over there to, I guess, Leanne Yu or Lacia, I think they call it. And um, basically gives the League a speech of, like, 
people are going to keep trying to leave and you're going to keep trying to stop them. But I want you to know that I'm going to be here and I'm going to make sure that they get through. Which. I mean, yeah, that, that was the long and short of it. It just wasn't, you know, it, I didn't know if it had anything to say. I was excited because where... Raza Gu was in it. So I thought we were going to get a little, you know. I think that's just a uh, an homage to Neil Adams' involvement in the legendary Raz al Ghul. You yes. know, like the 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 uh, battle in the desert. Yes, so that <laughs> that would be a continuation of his run. Like if you read this, yeah, this story, short it, story after his run, way, it would it would probably that, line up. It just wasn't really nothing. Well, well, uh, it just didn't really have anything to say in a book that I felt like all the other stories had something to say. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Um. Let's get into I Know by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maley. I really like this. Whenever Bendis and Maleev come together, I'm like, I'm all for it. I really like I did really like the art in this. Oh man, Alex Maleev, if you if you haven't read Bendis and Maleev's Daredevil, it's like get on that. Oh my god. (laughs) Recommendation. Um Yeah, and so I know, um, you know, it's about the penguin who comes to an elderly wheelchair bound Bruce Wayne to tell him that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne and to explain why he never did anything with that information and so yeah you just see you don't know it's Bruce off the top but you just see an old ass cobblepot I kind of knew <laughs> I, I, I thought off the jump but then after a while I was like is he is he just talking like am I supposed to get to this somebody else um, what I do like and what I do find extremely hilarious is that in his old age um, the penguin has kind of turned into Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In his old age, he's starting to resemble the penguin we see in uh, Batman Returns, which I thought was very cool. And I, I, thought, I actually like that stupid sound effect. Oh, that wham, 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 wham. Wham. And the funny <laughs> thing is, you wouldn't know how to spell it. But if you say it, if you're just reading it, I'm like, wham. oh yeah. Wham, wham, oh, wham, wham. Also, <laughs> can we talk about Maleev's Batman, like, there's a, there's a panel here yeah, where man. Batman glides in onto Penguin, and it's, like, beautiful. Is that, like, an original design or something? I clipped it to be a uh, wallpaper. It, because no, it, that, it looks amazing. It does. The way the shadows are bouncing off of his outfit. With the, way the, uh, the, with the, the, the yellow logo. The sh- I just, I loved it. You know, I'm looking at this Batman, but obviously my eyes are getting pointed down. And I think we they are trying to connect. Batman Returns and this Yeah, book. absolutely. Because he has his mind control penguins uh who are set to blow up Gotham City. Like yeah, they, remember they go like into they, they have like, like the rockets little, attached uh, to them. Suicide penguins. <laughs> suicide penguins. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. But um again I think that this is uh, pretty definitively um, short because I do think that this is a, a similar story that we've either not only seen before, but things that we've alluded to. I think you were just talking about this with Gordon, right? This idea that it would only take somebody so long and so many clues and so many interactions before they are able to put together that um, Bruce Wayne is the only one with enough money and resources to be Batman and that he did suffer something very traumatic in his life that would lead him to possibly be that now a lot of people have had parts of that of those puzzle pieces and have not felt like they fit enough but penguin seems to think he's got them dead to rights like this is i know you're batman bro like just cut it out. i mean he does <laughs> no he does he does he does definitively and um then he's like 
he says Bruce Wayne is the only thing keeping me alive. Um, I think yeah, it kind of comes down to that a lot with the, especially with these, uh, with the with Gordon and stuff. Like it's like we know you're Bruce, but what would exposing you do? Yes. It would do. It would do bad for you. It would do bad for me. <laughs> it's a, just a bad idea. And so even with all this, Cobblepot is here to gloat that he knew. <laughs> uh, he thinks that Batman is on his last legs, and he probably is because he has no legs. He's in a wheelchair. But um, yeah, he's like, I knew, I, I, I knew, I knew the whole time, and now you know the only reason you're still alive is because I'm smarter than you. I win. Uh, to which he, <laughs> Batman just electrocutes him with his wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because why wouldn't Batman have a wheelchair that shoots lightning? He's like, what did you think this was? <laughs> and then um, he says, yeah, like, I, I knew that you knew, Oswald. And I always knew that you were a coward. I knew what, what kind of coward that you were. And then, and then supposedly we find out that Penguin went over there because he thought that Batman couldn't speak. He thought he was t- uh, uh, gloating in front of a mute, a dying old man. <laughs> piece of shit like yeah like <laughs> that's that level of coward that they were talking about and the basically the last panel is just bruce watching the sunset and a bunch of birds flying away <laughs> like good visit now uh, you see we go from we go like okay so this is funny because very lately i'm like anti-bendis sometimes it's like ah this superman wasn't doing it for me his action comics isn't doing it for me what he did to john jonathan kent i won't forgive right <laughs> but um i ended up really enjoying his story and uh really liking the artwork but um we get to the next story which is done by jeff johns who i love <laughs> i yes. love jeff johns and i actually really love the story i love seeing uh uh batman happy with a family we got um I, is this like a a because this is not helena wayne right this this new daughter bruce has in a future it's like oh an older damien an older Catwoman, an older dog that couldn't possibly be ace because ace should be dead he's a well, dog that's the thing this ended up taking the last spot in my uh on my list because I just didn't understand it. Like I, I honestly did. I felt like I was missing something that oh, everybody I mean, else had, and I didn't know if that was the intention. Uh, I got not. it. It was just a, a wish. This is what Bruce wishes. Uh, his uh, he wishes that he and his family together can solve the very last crime in Gotham, unplug the bat signal, and have this peace with his son, wife, daughter, and dog. But um. And like I said, I love the story. I just hated, it. I hated the art. <laughs> yeah. But did they I, get? But did they catch the son of the Joker? He died too. <laughs> oh, he died next to every with everybody there, huh? Yeah, everyone died. So he was like, "That's it. It's over. We can finally go home." And then it turns out, poof! This is nothing but a wish, and it's Bruce's birthday, and he's alone. And I feel pit. like that's a lot, man. Like I feel like, uh. Jeff is such a guy who goes into the history of these characters. It's it's kind of odd that he would go with a fast forward, but you know, it's this idea that that more of what you say of this future that he hopes for, that he's he's constantly trying to work towards. Um, but some of these character designs, bro, <laughs> really weird. I know, I don't, um, I don't... and I know Kelly Jones is like a legendary artist, but. I guess this is very of the her time. What is that cowl it's, that the Batgirl has on? Hey, what's her name? Echo? Yeah, so it's not Helena, it's Echo. Yeah, it's Echo, and I think they say her name later on in the story. Oh, yeah, look. Does she have a name? 
I don't know. They don't say Robin's name. They just call him Robin. Nah, it's Damien. It's Damien? He, yeah, he calls him Damien. Let's be grateful for that, Damien. Okay. He's he's much older. He right. looks almost an adult. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to find Echo's name. I'm not sure if they gave her one. But it's, it's not Helena. Right. So it might be a new uh, a new character that John's created just to put his stamp on Batman. Because <laughs> he's tired of people <laughs> taking him away from stuff. <laughs> um, when he unplugs the bat uh, signal, I like that we get a little bit of long-eared bats. Oh, we definitely did see that. Yeah, yeah, you're that, right. Uh, what, 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 what's your take on the ears, bro? <laughs> I mean, in general? Yeah, short ears, I long ears. Like short ears. Okay. Short ears, Batman. I do like short ears, Batman. Sometimes the long ears get a little ridiculous. And yeah. these artists like, like that <laughs> vampire one where it's like curling yeah. backwards yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, so that, that was last crime in Gotham. Not one of my favorites, but now that you've explained it, I feel it, it, it deserves a little bit more than it got. Yeah. But, um, man, this next one. I love this one. This one, <laughs> if, if not tied with the best, is either right underneath or, like I said, on any given day, is the best one. Um, the team of uh, James Tinian IV and Alvaro Martinez returned to Detective Comics after their highly successful rebirth run in a story of the night Bruce Wayne made the decision to bring Dick Grayson into his dark world, ending with a classic candlelight oath. So, what I loved about this is it took a second to um, pay homage to Robin. You know, yes. and um, that's somebody who is missing in a lot of these stories. And sometimes he's there as a side character. But this issue, I feel like literally um, showed you the weight of that decision and showed you that it wasn't a decision made lightly. It wasn't just a ah, I brought him home and he's good at flips. So we're just going to go fight some crime sitting here there and watching Bruce with his quote unquote father, you know, like his surrogate father discussing whether or not taking him in is the right decision and what to do moving forward and how optimistic Alfred is towards everything. Um, I think really sheds a light on those three in a way that I, I didn't think I needed. I thought I had all I needed from these three and their, their very touching, um, you know, relationship that they have with each other. These family members that are not family, quote unquote, yeah. uh, not blood at least. Um, but watching, like, like, it's just crazy. The, Alfred speaks of, like, the life that he could live. And then they show the things that have happened in Nightwing's life that are a direct result of him, of Bruce Wayne agreeing to, to have this child as his ward and as his sidekick. And it's like, imagine if that, if he never took him in. Like, imagine all the continuity, all the history, all the stories, the goods, the bads, the uglies that have to do with Robin and their tandem um, how many people were inspired by Robin and this idea of a kid sidekick? All, the Teen Titans and um, his relationship with Starfire, all that stuff. I thought it was really, really, really well done. I did love I love that they gave a little nod to the rest of the Robins and the reason behind that, too. You set the precedent. Yes. I thought that was great. I love that when that line dropped because I was waiting to see. I love when <laughs> I love that storytelling technique where it's like that episode of Family Guy. He's like, oh, he said it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love when it dropped and you feel it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. And it, and that's the thing. When I was reading this, I was trying to take notes and read it. And some of these stories off the rip will let you know what the title is. And some of them yeah. wait to the end. And it's always yes. for dramatic effect. 
it's always so that you you felt what was going on. Like for instance, the the Kevin Smith story, the manufacturer for use didn't say the title until the end. Yes. You didn't know that he was going to manufacture it until you got to that point. But yeah, this idea that Bruce could be so, um, what like have like he's so on the level, like he's so intuitive that he would know that bringing in this kid is going to open up the floodgates. Like, this isn't just the only one. If you can use this logic to save this one child and try to turn him into the direction of good, why not the world? Why not every child, right? Right? Why not? And we've seen a litany of young people come through Bruce Wayne's, um, uh, those doors, the Wayne Manor. And Alfred, depending on some writers, will be like, I have no idea why he has so many you know, children. I keep trying to tell them to stop. Playing it as a joke, too. I like the way they did it here, where it was because of Alfred. Yes. But I I also love that it segued into the next story, because it's like, if you set the precedent, so if we take you, we have to take in all these other ones. And then the very next story is, like, all the ones we took in. (laughs) It's like, I I love this. This was actually my favorite. Oh, see, that one is is, is also, like, I, I just love the Bat Family. I do. Yes. I have a. I have a strong affinity for every member of the Bat Family. I like how they talk to Bruce. I like how Bruce talks to them. I like um, where they get the inspiration from. I like that they all try to strike out on their own. I like um, the uniqueness that each one of them brings. Uh, I did not see uh, d- um, Batwing at this uh, reunion. Oh but, no! But <laughs> that is, wait a minute. You're right. But but um yeah the last story. Oh real quick in the president. Um. Like you were saying, once they decide, like once Batman lays the 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 question down of like, once him, then what happens with everybody else? It is not Alfred or Batman who comes up with the next thing. It is like you it's said, Dick Nick. Grayson, and oh. he's like, "You'll do for them what you did for me." You that you've I I am the president. You started this with me, and you were going to continue it. And the the optimism, the positivity that's displayed on on Dick Grayson's face on that young impressionable kid's eyes shows you the light through the dark night it shows you that that um dynamic that they have with one another where bruce is almost dreading having to take on this responsibility not because he doesn't like dick but just because of all that it entails or that it would mean and the idea that robin's like as long as we do it together what could happen what's the worst that could happen and that's so cool because uh, Batman broods a lot, so to have somebody there like, don't worry about it, bro. We'll just do the same thing when they come through. It was like was really, really cool. Um, the the last anniversary story, I'll call it, because um, I think Medieval is definitively the Detective Comics one thousand story. Um, is Batman's greatest greatest case, written by Tom King, Tony Daniel, and Joel Jones, uh, ground groundbreaking Batman writer Tom King, um. Well, groundbreaking and wedding-breaking Batman writer Tom King is joined by uh, Tony Daniels and Joel Jones, who share artistic duties on the story. Presented using parallel story threads like Tom King likes to use, Bruce Wayne visits his parents' grave while Batman assembles his entire coalition of allies around him. I feel like very similarly to the new Brody story, this was something that you did not know what was going on. Until yeah, you, I love un- that. Until I, you I did. Didn't know it <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out either, but, but I-, I loved the banter. Oh you know, my like- god, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, is this is this the first time Tom King writes the entire Bat family together? I wanna say so because I felt like he kept them on the outs in the in his Batman run. 
yeah, they signed. They kind of didn't fit, you know. Yeah. But this, this, that kind of makes me want them. I need him to do more of this. This was great. I love the that page. Okay, you got that page where Bruce is standing at his parents' grave. But I'm reading the banter between the Bat family, and it's like hilarious. Oh my! All of it's funny. <laughs> I I love um Jay, how Jason keeps blaming himself. He's like, this is, like, is going to be about me. He's, he's just going to kick me out. That's what it's about. It's about that thing I did. He's like, he's, that's it. He's just going to kick me out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I like that uh, Huntress and Cassandra are hanging out. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense, though. You know, they're like on the outs and they, you know, they, they have some family, their own family drama to deal with. But um, I like that. I like Batwoman versus Batgirl. This is the first time uh, Huntress and Cassandra meet. This Huntress? I want to say, yeah. Seemed like it. Yeah. And I don't really remember them being together, but I, you're right about the argument between uh, Batwoman and Batgirl. Yeah, I've been to war. Have you been to war? War? <laughs> I dated Dick Grayson. Have you dated Dick Grayson? <laughs> and Dick Grayson at one point is like, I'm Batman. And he's like, She's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's Again, he's always, I was Batman. <laughs> oh my God. And then the whole, uh, the whole thing of like, um, uh, can you get kicked out? Is that a thing? You can't get kicked <laughs> out of a family. That's why it's a family. He's right. Only one way out I know, and I have taken it. I don't recommend it. Don't act like you're special, <laughs> dick. We all died. <laughs> I haven't died. Give it time. Is that why we're here? Someone died? Who died? We're all here. Maybe he got a new one, and that one died. <laughs> what? <laughs> they seem to come and go as uh, 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 go faster as the years pass. Oh, my God. All of that stuff. Um... Because he's Batman and we're not. What does that even mean? I was Batman. <laughs> See, yeah, was I dated different. that. Whatever problem he's in, <laughs> it's all the time. I was Batman. What's war compared to that? Oh, my God. Just hilarious. And um, how he gets there and all of a sudden, like, he gets there. He doesn't say a word. But um, they know. It must be like an anniversary thing. But not only that, um, Jason's still apologizing. He's like, Bruce, listen, if you know about that thing, then I'm sorry about that thing. But if you don't know about that thing, then that thing doesn't exist. Uh, unless it's not about that thing, well, then you could just forget about that thing. But that thing's good. Um, oh, I thought that was so funny. And uh, ultimately, you find out that everyone is, everyone has joined on this roof out of pure respect for Batman. You know, pure respect for Bruce Wayne, the man. Uh, they're all members of his team, of his Bat family. He's axed them onto the roof. Um. And he's asked them there for a selfie. Yes, say cheese. They, That's the only word he says in the story. Cheese. Yes, it's he, the greatest. He asked him there for a selfie so he could lay it at the uh, grave of his parents, the new family uh, that he has to not to replace the old one, but what the the mystery of looking for uh, a family lost um, get, gets him one, and it's 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 beautiful. Um, seeing everybody lined up together and the idea that this man in the middle has fundamentally changed them all. Changed the lives of every single person in that spread. And Batwing, who wasn't invited. <laughs> Batwing and Asriel uh, weren't invited. But well, at least we know why Asriel wasn't invited. Yeah, he's in space. Well, I think he's in space. <laughs> it's one of those. He's either a dick or he's in space. It's one of those two. Um, yeah, but you get... Uh, you get... You get this this idea that he is content. You see Bruce sw- smile at the graves of Thomas and Martha with this picture, um, and yeah, man, it 
it, it was good. I, I would have kind of liked it to end the book. Yeah, I would. I would. I could have done without B. Okay, <laughs> let's, get into, <laughs> let's get into the Arkham Knight story because okay, I see where they're going with this. And any combination of Peter Tomasi and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, I'm like so flustered right now. Right now, <laughs> because I I'm like um, any combination of Peter Tomasi and Doug Mank is gonna be like, oh okay, because uh, that's from uh, I remember them from like GL Core, and I'm like okay. But um, this particular time, I was just like, oh, I guess because it was following, I guess in the same way you watch a show and sometimes by the end of it, the things that have happened in the middle have drained you because they were so good. Yes. And you're like, <laughs> by the end of it, I'm like, oh, okay. I, Dude, think, I, I wasn't I, feeling it. I think my initial issue with it, what rubbed me the wrong way, is that I feel like very early on, and when I say very early on, I mean like the second page probably, you kind of get what this, what's going to happen with this story. You kind of get that it's going to be narration laid over these things. So it gets to a point where I'm just kind of waiting for that to stop. And it only stops on the last page. And it doesn't really <laughs> say anything. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, it reminded me very much of the Man of Steel story that Bendis wrote for Action 1000. Oh, good point. Um, and so, but I, I'd probably like that more because he was actually, act, Superman was actually acting in the timeline as it goes, whereas this is just kind of a villain monologue. Which I guess fits in the anniversary issue, so I can see where they were trying to not just do something that was tied in the end, but also a a, uh, a look at Batman's history. And just, there's a bunch of iconic shots through a bunch of iconic runs of Batman's um, history. Uh, obviously, I marked for the sword fight, in the, <laughs> the shirtless yes. sword fighting in the desert, but I also marked for nobody for seeing um, oh. Batman uh, about to kill nobody. I really liked that story with him and Damien and Batman and Robin. Um, that was, I mean, I'm sure like Tomasi was like, put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> slide that in there. Put that in there. And then uh, as if it was written by William Shakespeare himself. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Um, Batman, say it fast, really fast, Batman. as fast as you can say over and over. So what do you hear? Batman, 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 Batman. To me, now and forever, one and the same. The people of Gotham deserve better than a dark night. They will experience the hand and the fair and true servant at work, and they will bear witness to the Arkham Knight finally delivering justice to the Batman. And uh, to well, be continued in I, I, Detective One. Okay, 1. so here's here's the thing, though. I do like that they took the Arkham Knight name and made him into like an actual like knight style. <laughs> like, I kind of do. I just don't understand. Like, like does Bat Batman knows they call him him the Dark Knight, right? Does he ever take that on? Does he ever like, I am the Knight of the King? Like, what is it? Like, he I've never felt him taking it on the medieval way. I'm goddamn Batman. Yeah, that's all I've ever. That's all, that's all I've ever heard. So, um, I I do understand the idea of medieval knights and all that other kind of stuff. He has a sword now, which he didn't have before. <laughs> um, this, in case people are have literally been living under a rock, this villain first debuted in the Arkham Knight video game uh, created by Rocksteady. It's a, a Batman open world game. And when that game first uh, was promoted, it was promoted to have a brand spanking new villain that no one has ever seen before. Don't well, try to guess. Everybody knew. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, they did. They told you not, don't try to guess because you're never going to guess. And then people were like, it kind of seems like it's Jason Todd. <laughs> 
and it ended up being Jason Todd. <laughs> no, it's totally not Jason Todd. They no, fucking no, no. it out. It was basically <laughs> yeah, it was basically Jason Todd. Um, so two questions. Um, do you think that the person underneath the mask is someone close to Bruce? And the second question has to do with the first in, um, would you make it someone close to Bruce? Okay, so. I think I'm going to answer those both with one answer because it, for me it's like one and the same. Okay. I don't think you want to do someone close to Bruce because it's going to be underwhelming. Who else? Okay, so if it's like if it's a bat wing, he's gone crazy. Family, he, you know, he wasn't there for the know, selfie. Like, now <laughs> you were just at the selfie thing, but it's like uh, I don't know. It's like. It seemed like someone who had been affected by him. So I would prefer if they cre if they I would prefer if they created a new character that had kind of been around and, and has been growing all this time and has now decided to act for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I would prefer an original character. This is what I wanted in the game. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get that. I get that. Um, I feel like they're probably just gonna try to make it tied to him. I, I just hope it's not too convoluted. Um. We've we've been primed for this before, this exact character before. So I think a lot of people are um, a little bit trepidatious when it comes to um, what the story is going to entail. But listen, this brand has lasted over eighty years. There's very few things you can do with it to you know to tank it. Yeah, um, well, you can't really. Yeah, you can't really reinvent the wheel right now. No, no, <laughs> no. So the, it it will definitely. Uh, it's 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 definitely going to. Um, add some more to the mythos and i hope the guy i hope it's somebody good i hope it stays around i hope it's another definitive run because um i think we're, we're due for another big uh introduction of someone new and their machinations and and what they're going to add to the mythos because without adding without new artists without new writers without new ideas without new villains without new uh members of the bat family this doesn't stay as long as it has and that, this constant reinvention and evolution is what allows comics to live as long as uh especially this one has so i'm 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 excited going forward uh i'm excited going forward i want to see what uh tomasi ends up doing with this night (laughs) (laughs) so did you say that your favorite was the selfie yeah it was uh it was the what was the name of it last the The uh batman's greatest case batman's greatest case yeah i definitely that was my favorite story okay and uh what do you think was it doesn't have to be the worst but the one you least liked? It might have to be the... Um, I feel like the Leslie Jones story. The Neil Adams... I mean, um, Danny O'Neill. <laughs> oh, the Leslie Jones? <laughs> she wrote Batman? <laughs> Let me find out Leslie Jones is writing Batman. <laughs> wow. Leslie Thompson story. <laughs> yeah, Danny O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh like it like you said earlier. It was like, come on. <laughs> it was a bit, it was a bit of it was a bit of dry pie. I'm not I'm not yeah. gonna lie there. But um this is this is an important episode not only for Detective Comics, for Batman, um and comic books everywhere, right? Because getting to a thousand is not an easy task. But nope. this was also a very important episode for us, my friend, because not many people know we did an entire episode about Batman that was lost to the Speed Force. We could still, we could, we 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 actually haven't even scratched the surface of the one of the things that we talked about on that episode. No, nope. it was so good. I'm so I, sorry. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get there soon because um <laughs> when you know we're probably up for a Batman movie sometime soon, right? In yep, another sure. year or so. So uh, we, I'm getting ready to get ready to dive real deep into the character of Batman. Um, 
we've been kind of DC heavy uh, lately. We're going to do Shazam in a couple weeks. But the next episode of the Major Issues Podcast, we're actually going to go into a deep dive, character analysis of sorts, with Hellboy. We got nice. that reboot coming up. Right, you're and, right. And I'm I've got uh, I've got some some super fans, some admitted super fans that will be coming in to the studio to talk to us and myself about Hellboy because Lord knows I need a little bit more education than I got. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely ready for that. But you guys gonna want to make sure that you guys are ready for that by making sure you're subscribed to the Major Issues Podcast. First of all, tune thank you for in. listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening and tuning in, but don't forget to tune in every single Wednesday for a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast uh, where we talk about the newest and latest, greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. And uh, you can find all of our stuff, all of wherever podcasts are found, you can find the Major Issues Podcast. That's Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app on all your i devices. And if you have a regular slash good phone, you could just go to Google and type in the Major Issues Podcast, and we'll be the literally the first ones to pop right up. Um, people really dug that Wrestling with Comics episode, so our our uh, membership is growing. People are really? liking. I people actually are sharing. didn't know that. I didn't know the logistics behind that. Yeah, so they man. It. Yeah, it, uh, it's one of the best ones of the last uh, couple months, really. It's doing, awesome. it's performing really, really well. And um, hopefully, this Batman um, one got a lot of people on board, but the click is growing. You want to be there before it gets big. You want to get a seat, you know? It's going to be standing room only soon with the Major Issues podcast. So you want to make <laughs> sure you got a seat. And just like that person, just like that baby, that baby boomer who was able to afford college and buy three cars and all that stuff. Just that's like, what the Leslie Thompson story. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what it was. You damn millennials always wanting to use violence to solve everything. Just like, just like that baby boomer who is holding on to his uh, issue of Detective Comics 27 and saying, I was there from the beginning. You want to be there on the ground floor with the Major Issues podcast because I've been to the future and we've become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. So you want to get on that stat. Now, that's all if you want to listen to us, but we want to hear you guys. So go ahead and try to reach out to us. If you look in the show notes, you can see you can reach us at comicbookclick at gmail.com, but you can also go to facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, and use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. And you can go to at Major Issue CBC, the official Twitter of this uh, podcast. And that's all the ways that you can reach us. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, just give us five stars. Let's pretend there's no other stars but five. Uh, you know? I mean, come on. Do you really want to half-ass this review? Just go go straight Just go straight five. Uh, and um, it'll be the quick. It does two things. One, uh, five star rated podcasts appear in the news and noteworthy section of the Apple Podcast app. So those who haven't found us yet have an easier way to find us and it helps us know what you guys like about the podcast. So we can start getting rid of what you don't, bringing in what you like. We're learning this as we go along and it has been incredibly uh, rewarding this entire venture into podcasting so thank you guys who have been listening thank you guys who just started listening with this episode keep on listening tell a friend to tell a friend is the quickest way for us to grow and uh yeah we're we're, we're gonna be here for quite some time so make sure that you are here staying tuned Whew! i feel like i just did a thousand issues <laughs> <laughs> well uh my name is george serrano aka the don it's Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi. And this has been our 
Detective Comics 1000 recap and review. And remember, whether or not your parents were shot in a place called Crime Alley, whether <laughs> whether or not you think uh, you can solve all the world's greatest riddles, whether you tripped and fall into a vi- of uh, chemicals at Ace Chemicals, or you're one of the lovable members of the Bat family. Remember, in a way, we're all Batman, but we are the clique, and you, yes, you, are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>